Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Clive Thompson, the author of Coders. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is sponsored by CheapTranscription.io. Cheap Transcription offers 10 cents per minute transcriptions using our happy robots or 85 cents per minute using our human assistants. Cheap Transcription.io is cheaper and faster than everyone else. CheapTranscription.io. Welcome back to Technotopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Clive Thompson, uh, author extraordinaire. Welcome, Clive. Oh, good to be here, my friend. Yeah. So, uh, so last time we talked, you were working on your book. Uh, now you've just completed it. I want to hear a lot about the book, and I want to hear about the uh, the future code. All right. So basically, yeah, I, I finished this book. It was uh, it was a heck of a research agenda. I basically set out to talk to you know developers, software developers, up and down the the food chain, right? From mm-hmm. like, you know, like the founders of companies like, you know, Instagram, you know, and Twitter and whatnot, you know, on down to the, the person slinging JavaScript for your local bank, like down the, you know, down, down the road um, to sort of, you know, get a sense of, you know, who's drawn to do this for a living? Like who, who voluntarily sits around talking to computers all day long, or um, or as as in the immortal words of this, I've got to find the name of this this developer uh, who put it so nicely on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Coding is the art of telling rocks what to think. <laughs> uh, and so uh, so I, I would kind of want to sketch out, you know, like you know, you know, what are the people that, that get obs- obsessed with doing that, and kind of you know, what are their what are their priority? What priorities do they bring to it that that architect the way we live right now? Because everything we're doing now is from the moment we wake up, the moment we go to bed is brokered by software. So anytime, you know, someone gets an idea uh, for a new service, a new business and makes something kind of like newly possible or easier to do, we do a lot more of it. So I, I, I came to think of people that develop software as like, you know, the modern architects of behavior really. And I wanted to sort of get inside their heads and also to explain to, you know, the, the, the rest of the world, you know, what, what this work is like, right? Because it's such a mystery to the average person. They, they just, they see this app on their phone. They, you know, it, it, as far as they knew, it came down on a UFO. They have no idea how it was made or who made it or why they made it. So that's kind of what the book was about. It was uh, about 200 interviews over, over uh, three years with mm-hmm. all sorts of developers. What's, what, what did you find out? What was the coolest thing that you discovered? There's a couple things I found. So one, one is that everyone talked about, like, there's the obvious things, right? Like everyone talks about how like, okay, you know, software developers, to develop software, you have to be able to, you have to be able to think logically, you know, you have to be able to break complicated things down to little steps. Yeah, I, I think everyone kind of knows that. Uh, they talked about, you know, it, it, it tends to attract a lot, you know, more introverts than, than extroverts, you know, again, not a big surprise. Although not total, like I actually met a lot of, you know, super high EQ. Uh, but the weird things that were kind of interesting is that, you know, a, a lot of developers told me kind of about them becoming very, very obsessed with like efficiency and automation over the course of, becoming a developer because it, there's various points in time in their life you know often maybe when they're younger like a teenager doing some hacking when they begin to realize that wow there's all this boring stuff that we have to do all day long these are repetitive actions and whatnot and they could just outsource us all to like a couple scripts basically and so they, they very quickly got bit by the the bug of like making everything way more efficient like take out any repetitive tasks get the computer to do it anything that's slow make it go faster and that that sort of and that sort of really seeps 
and of the culture, uh, you know, uh, for like not all, but a, a lot of developers. I, and I think it sort of explains kind of what we see in the, um, you know, in the, in the, in the pantheon of software that's out there. Cause you know, in many ways, when you, you ask, you know, where have these large software companies come from, they've all come from because they basically found a way to remove friction from everyday life. Mm -hmm. And that was their gambit. Right. And so it was interesting drilling down to that and seeing how it really comes. Not, it's not just a business, you know, sort of, uh, not just a business plan. They're not just making these companies because it's a, you know, they can see a business there. There's almost like an aesthetic, like a spiritual aesthetic, a joy in getting rid of inefficiency and speeding things up that 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 really shone out in those, those interviews. That was kind of fun. Um, I think uh, there was also the thing that, thing that impressed me the most, I suppose, that I didn't expect to find was um, how brutally frustrating software development is, <laughs> right? You know, because like, it, it's, it, like, it's just, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. It's not working. You know, stuff that you wrote, like function that you wrote like five minutes ago, it's already not working. You know, it's, it's interacting mm -hmm. poorly with the rest of the code base or, or it just, you know, it's a stupid typo, right? You know, and like you're staring at it. And so like people would be like, you know, they'd be like telling me they're like, they get so frustrated seeing like a TV show or a movie where like, you know, the hacker or the programmer sitting there and the fingers are clattering on the keyboard and they're writing all this code. And they're like, that's not remotely what it's like. It's like, <laughs> it's like, you're, like you're sitting there just going, it's not compiling. It's not what's going on. That's 99% of it. Running your hands through your hair, walking around, freaking out. It's never going to work. And then suddenly it works. And, and there's this narcotic high when like, when suddenly, you know, something is passing its tests or, you know, something that, you know, was, you, you know, like it was just struggling with some stupid library and now it's actually working that, that, that the lows are so low and the highs are so high in software development that, mm -hmm. that really, that really struck out. I mean, you've, you've done enough of this to know, to know that feeling yourself. Right? Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. You yeah. sit there, you sit there for four hours at night at like midnight and then it doesn't work. And then you wake up in the morning and you realize, oh, I just got to move this colon over here. And <laughs> I was looking at the, I was looking at exactly the wrong thing for the whole time. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I, the other day. I was writing. So you, you'll find this a funny story, like along the lines of this efficiency stuff. So, like, I, I, I was a coder when I was a kid, like basic, you know, basic programming on, you know, Commodore sixty four and stuff. But I didn't really do much of it, you know, my twenties and thirties. And then when I started getting interested in maybe writing this book, I decided, you know, let me let me learn some of the modern <laughs> languages and you know do more stuff. So I kind of got addicted to like just writing a lot of weird, stupid scripts you know, in my everyday life. And when the, here's the funny one from last week. So the book comes out and what do new authors do? Well, we sit there refreshing the Amazon page to find out what our sales rank is, right? Like, you know, am I number one am I mm -hmm. on this list? Am I number, you know, am I number whatever of overall every book on Amazon? And it's like, it's sick. Like you're just, you're refreshing every five minutes. Like you can't get anything done. It's mentally unhealthy. So I said, okay, this is a classic thing that a computer can do better for me. So I just wrote a scraper to go in there and, you know, scrape the page, pull up the information I need, and then format it as a text message and just text me, you know, and then set up a cron job to run it four times a day. So it fires in the morning, early afternoon, late afternoon, at night, and then I have this thing looking after it and I don't have to sit there like a freak uh, doing it. But in the process of writing this, you know, it's a very simple thing. I've written tons of scrapers, but for some weird reason, it just wasn't parsing the Amazon page. Like, mm -hmm. I, like I, think, I think Amazon sort of fights back against scraping in some way. And so <laughs> literally something that should have taken me like half an hour took me like an entire evening until finally I just swapped out a different HTML parser. And lo and behold, everything worked. And like, you know, I, can't <laughs> even, I can't even explain why it worked. It just worked. You know, I'm like, that's good enough. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to look for the answer. But like, 
it was, you know, it was, I was pounding my head against the wall for like four hours there, you know, that, and that, that's what software development is like. Those people are Sisyphians. They are rolling the boulder up the, up the hill and it just, then they lose grasp of it and it just rolls over and crushes them and they go back down and they roll it up again. How, so, so everybody talks about the future being, uh, having coders be automated. How, how, how much could you automate the jobs that you're seeing? Well, you know, in one sense, you know, I think you can always automate coding, right? I mean, we've already seen that, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'm old enough to remember the 1990s when if you wanted a web page, you had to like, you know, like hand code every line of HTML. You know, you were sitting there like, you know, with your you know hammer and tong at the forge, you know, making this website. Uh, it was very brute force. Um, and then, you know, what happened over the next 15 years is that they developed a lot of very elegant um, CMSs, uh, you know, popular ones like, you know, Blogger and and uh, and um, movable type. And then, you know, WordPress came and just, you know, ate all that. And so in one sense, you know, I, I you know, I have a website and I um and I use WordPress and, you know, I'm just essentially filling in boxes and it's code writing code. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like like that stuff has all been automated, like nobody needs to write those. Nobody gets employed now to write that basic HTML. But so see, so no one gets a job as a basic, quote unquote, webmaster anymore. But, you know, what happens is all the people and the talented you know, coders who are interested in web design, they move to the periphery. They start writing, you know, plugins. They start writing, you know, customizations. They become someone who says, okay, you've got your basic WordPress install, but what if you needed to do these 10 other things? Let me make it awesome. And I think that's sort of what's going to happen. Like we're going to continually automate different parts of coding, but there's always going to be this stuff that's at the edges, you know, that's all the edge cases. And that's just where the people will move to. You know, we're going to have, we're probably going to see more AI, you know, writing more, uh, more code automatically. Uh, mm -hmm. It'll probably it'll probably be built into the in the IDEs. You know, there'll be like stuff that is like now there's a simple autocomplete. I could imagine that, you know, moving towards like, hey, we think you're we think you're writing a function. Do this. Let's just let's just spec it out roughly for you and you tweak it. Right. You know, I can easily imagine that. Um, but yeah, humans humans will always move to the edges. Like I, I don't think like coding jobs will go away. They'll change. Um, they'll morph. We'll find the weird things that we do that the algorithms cannot yet do. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting. I've been learning all these frameworks with Laravel and Django and stuff, and to know all that stuff is is important because it's basically it saves you so much time, and it just says here's the thing that you can have people log in with. That's this this line, and type that line in, and it works. Right, right, yeah. I mean, great. like when I write these scrapers, I mean, I could do it like I'm I'm using Python, so I I could do it just completely raw. Like I could grab all the HTML and then like you know you know treat it as a huge text string and go through and find the stuff. But, you know, people have written these fantastic libraries, you know, like Beautiful Soup, which is just a, a scraping library. So in effect, I'm sort of, you know, outsourcing 95% of the development of that scraper to these fantastic open source folks who've done this. And it allows me to punch way above my weight, you know, like I'm, I'm like just a total, you know, weekend hacker with my coding. And yet I can very quickly do a lot of things uh, because I'm standing on the shoulder of giants. And that's, that's, I think, the long story of the, of the explosion of software development in the last 20 years. I mean, everyone I talk to, you know, it's kind of amazing. Like every company these days is just, it's just uses an, an enormous amount of open source uh, mm -hmm. code. You know, it's like, it, um, like it, everyone, everyone is, is everyone is like me, except more talented than me. Like they're, they're punching way above their weight because they're, they jump in and there's just all this stuff that they can, that they can, out, you know, outperform as it's, it's quite, it's quite interesting. Is there anything that uh, we're missing right now that we should be doing in terms of development, in terms of uh, coding? You know, I think um, I think one thing that uh, uh, there's a couple of kind of macro things. One is that I, I do think that 
AI is an interesting area to pay attention to. And I think it behooves everyone to sort of look at it and play around it a little bit to sort of get a sense of what it's good at and what it's bad at. Because um, right now, there's, you know, there's been this enormous amount of heat and excitement over machine learning and particularly deep learning uh, in the last sort of, you know, seven years. Um, you can really date it to 2012 when Jeff Hinton and his team sort of wildly outperform everyone else historically at image recognition. And they do it using deep learning. And everyone goes, wow, this, this actually works. If you just throw a lot of compute at it, you can get, you know, you can create, you know, these, these elegant functions that can recognize and categorize images and language, and they can predict sequences. And, you know, before you know it, Google has released TensorFlow and, and Facebook has released, uh, um, uh, oh, what's the name of their package again? I'm blanking. Tor torch? Torch. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, Torch yeah. is something. Uh, well, is, is it Torch? What's it called? Anyway, yeah. the, the, point, the point being, they have these libraries out, and now everyone can just, you know, throw some, some, some image recognition or some textual recognition into, into their app, too. Uh, and it seemed for a little while like this was just going to grow and grow and grow, and AI was going to swallow the whole stack. Um, I think that, like, in the long run, we'll definitely see, you know, uh, uh, AI creep deeper into the stack. But in, but in the short run, you know, we're already we're already seeing people bumping up against what the limits of the current style of deep learning is. It mm -hmm. it's, requires a huge amount of training data. Um, if you don't, if if you're not actually in there doing a lot of work yourself, if you're just using a library, you're producing these little black box systems that the, perfor the performance of which you cannot entirely vouchsafe. Which is fine if you're recognizing kittens, but not great if it's a mission critical piece of software. Yeah, if you're trying you know, to see if they're kids in a crosswalk. Yeah. Yeah, or even doing making some financial decisions, like you know, the level at which some banks will be like, "Yeah, you know, we kind of need to, we kind of need you to explain the decision here, folks. You mm -hmm. know, we can't, can't do any hand waving or medicine, right? You know." So I think that actually, um, I think machine learning is a, and, and deep learning is a super interesting thing for all developers to poke around at a little bit, look at it, read up on it, because it's definitely a big um, uh, transition in in software. It's also a weirder type of coding. Right, like the stuff you and I've been talking about is all very um, uh, linear and knowable and deterministic. You know, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, you're you're writing a function to do something, and the goal is to predict exactly what's going to happen every every darn time. And when you train a machine learning model to do something for you, it's it's like training a puppy to like not pee on the on the carpet, right? Like it's like you know, oh, you know, you didn't pee. Let's reward you. You did pee. Let's smack you. You know, it's like. You're gathering all this data and doing this training, and it it feels like gardening more than coding. So it can be a little alienating and weird um, at first. So I, I think it's good to look at for, for to poke around with a to figure out what what it can do, but more importantly, b to figure out what it cannot do, uh, and to sort of reality check um, some of the hype around it. I think. Uh, tell me about uh. So you you interviewed two hundred uh, two hundred developers. Tell me about uh, diversity in that in that group. Uh, one of the things that a lot of AI folks sure, are talking yeah. about, uh, I think we talked about this before, the Enron, the Enron files are kind of defining how language learning is, uh, or language assessment was, was formulated. The Enron files didn't really help because they were all lunch orders by a bunch of weird guys in Dallas uh, <laughs> who had, who had, there was very little diversity in that group. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so is, that, is that changing in the, in the world? I mean, are we, are we seeing uh, yep. code written by minority folks who are basically seeing the problems that they're facing and trying to uh -huh. code around those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, uh, are we getting a more diverse group of developers who, um, who are sort of opening up the problem space, right? Uh -huh. Because, you know, yeah, if you have like mostly young white dudes in San Francisco writing a lot of software, 
they're going to solve for their urgent problems, which mm -hmm. is like how to how to marginally improve the speed of burrito delivery, right? You know, <laughs> um, and like I I don't want to dismiss that. Like that's actually kind of a an interesting problem for some people. But you but you you really need to have a wider array. It, are things improving? Um, uh, the answer is uh, yes, uh, slowly um, and and also uh, in in a spiky way. They're improving greatly in certain areas and not in others. What I mean is this, let's take a look at just the situation because it's fairly well documented of um, the percentage of women uh, mm -hmm. who are moving into software development. Uh, that number, uh, one way to sort of get a crude sense of that is to look at um, uh, CS degrees, computer science degrees. And that had been very, very flat for women really since the, the mid nineties uh, for almost 20 years. And until about five years ago when it started spiking really sharp, like hockey stick upwards. Um, that's very interesting. I talked to some researchers about why, and they said, well, uh, part of it is that there's, you know, there's been a better discourse saying, hey, this is this kind of a monoculture of talent here, like uh, jump in and let's do something about it. Mm -hmm. So that's good. You have a lot of groups, you know, everything ranging from, you know, uh, girls who code to black girls code, you know, encouraging stuff at the kind of like the high school and elementary school level. That's also great because you need to sort of fan out and reach kids because like only 10% of them are really going to want to do it, but they have to have the opportunity to sort of, you know, to, you know, to take a bite at that apple to figure out if this is something they, they love, you know, like you could go your whole life not realizing you would have been an amazing software developer because no one gave you the opportunity. So that that's all improving. Um, the and, and you're seeing you're seeing some of that stuff uh, also with um uh, with people of color too. So it's, you know, uh, you see an uptick with women, you see an uptick with people of color. Uh, the, what has to happen, and there's no indication that this is yet changing, is um, kind of the cultural expectations at the level of the companies doing the hiring. Mm -hmm. uh, they still, they still more or less, I think, have the kind of central casting in their mind of like the white dude in the hoodie as being what a coder looks like. And corporate culture can take a long time to change. Um, it took decades to shift from being a very open meritocratic thing in the 60s where tons of women were coming in to like closing down in the in the in the late 70s and 80s to being like revenge of the nerds so you know i i think it's going to take a little while for that to open up and but it crucially sort of needs to because you can you can feed a lot of, of raw awesome talent out of computer science and out of boot camps and these things um but there needs to be there needs to be jobs to move into and advancement to move into so the the first part of the puzzle the pipeline is um is i think working really nicely and the second part uh yeah is yet to be seen okay so where's the uh where, where, what should people be studying if they want to get into uh into coding is it, is it still a solid solid job totally yeah in yeah. fact uh I, I would say for the next you know at least decade its prospects are great uh, um you know and and in fact actually it's almost easier than ever to get into it because um uh the, the need for warm bodies in the chairs to sort of do software development is so great, uh, you know, that by some estimates, there's something like, you know, between 500,000 and a million unfulfilled jobs over the next couple of years, just in the US alone. Um, and, and a lot of those companies want local talent. They don't want, they don't want to have uh, someone telecommuting from, you know, a different country. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, they're like, their companies, they're a bank and they want someone who's going to walk in and sit there and do the work. Um, so, so computer science departments literally cannot scale up big enough to fill that need. It's got to come elsewhere. And that's why we're seeing the growth of boot camps. That's why the, we're seeing the growth of, of even like self-education online. Um, we're even seeing a little bit 
of a return to like hiring people that have talent and training them on the job, which is interesting. So I would say, you know, if this is something that you think you're interested in doing, um, by all means, like start off with some online courses, play around, build things, build real things that you use. Uh, if you think that it's, if after having done that, it's like, yeah, this, this is actually really something I, I, I like. I mean, I, I, I enjoy it. I would do it in my spare time because it's fun. Then, you know, if you can put the money together. Technotopia uh, is brought you know, to you. And find a reliable boot camp. Now, reliable is a key word. There are some fly-by-night mm-hmm. organizations out there. But the large ones that operate in multiple cities generally uh, generally are pretty good, right? You know, like the sort of the flat irons, the general assemblies, things like that. Um, you know, if you can afford the money, those, are, those have a, you know, I would say odds-on you know, better chance of landing you a first developer job. Like they have, you know, I would, I would, you know, I've, I've seen numbers all the map, but I would say like, you know, two thirds of the folks that come out of them, you know, wind up getting like a, like a reasonable development job. Um, the third thing I would say, and this is kind of interesting that I think is almost a bigger opportunity than becoming a software developer is sticking within the job you already have, but learning a little bit of coding to develop superpowers within your discipline, right? Mm-hmm. So like, so I'm a journalist, you know, I'm, you know, I, I've learned a bunch more coding in the last five to 10 years. Um, and I do it to basically make my journalism better, right? Like I, I write, you know, I, I write tons of scrapers to automatically monitor information sources and send me stuff when something changes. I write um, little tools to come comb through data sets. Uh, if I find myself doing something repetitive, uh, you know, like cleaning up, cleaning up text, I just, I just automated a little while ago. I, part of my workflow began that I was, um, rely, I was, I was finding a lot of amazing people talking on YouTube and I'd be like, Hey, this, this speech is great. I should, I want a local copy of this text. Mm -hmm. So I would go, I would, you know, I would open up the closed captioning and you can, you can just cut and paste that text. Right. Um, but it's like, it's horribly formatted. It's like, um, it's like a line of text, like five (laughs) words, time code, five words, time code. And so I'm like, ugh. Uh, am I really going to clean this up? So I'm like, all right, screw it. Let me just quickly write a script that will like, let me dump this in. It'll clean it up with one click. You know, that took like, you know, an hour at, but now I've have this really quick flow through and I'm actually working on the next phase of it, which is just using, um, a JavaScript framework called puppeteer to make it sort of one click, like feed the URL and then boom, get the transcript just sent right to you. Mm-hmm. So these are all like, these are all like, I'm not going to stop being a journalist, but I'm, I'm a better journalist because I can do this. And yeah, it I was, was like, going to ask her, are you going to quit? Uh, yeah, yeah no, 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 I'm not. But I'm, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to get more done. I'm going to be a better journalist. And I think this is actually something everyone, if they are in like, you know, uh, accounting or in nursing or in hospitality or in sales or marketing, it's like, if you're interested in coding, first see what you can do to make yourself like more employable and maybe even better paid within your own industry, right? Because you've got this domain knowledge, you know about how marketing works, you know what's hard to do, and you can, you might discover that you can do something that automates the workflow for like you and your entire team. And suddenly you can go to your boss and go like, all right, I can do this. I can do this over and over again. And I want a bunch more money because I'm now a marketer person who also does software development. Mm-hmm. That strikes me as a really, really interesting opportunity um, that a lot of people should look at. Yeah. And at the absolute early, you know how to, um, you know, how to tell a solution provider how to build, how to build the thing for you. Right. It seems like that. Uh, sure. Seems sure. like that's a uh, yeah, way to go. You, you could become, yeah, you could become incredibly useful. Like if you move into management now, yeah. when you're specking something out and you can, you, you'll be able to talk to the developers and you'll be able to know what's easy and what's hard, you know, mm-hmm. um, these are, these are incredibly valuable skills. So like, to me, I'm like, I'm, I encourage people if they're interested just to sort of learn enough of it and say, try and find something that 
that is in your job or in your life that you want to you want to automate. I mean, there's funny, weird ones too. Like I like, I don't like listening. I like, I like getting the news. I like reading the news. I like reading newspapers. I do not like listening to radio news. It's too slow. It's mm-hmm. just like, it's like this narc, like I, I love NPR, but like their news readers are like narcoleptic. It's like today <laughs> in Kazakhstan, I'm like, no, 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 no. I want like someone reading the news to me at rapid speed. So I just, you know, I wrote another scraper that basically just logs in under my account to the New York times finds the 20 articles I want and then reads them to me at like in a robot voice at like 1.75 speed while I wash the dishes. And like, you know, my, my, my family hates it because they come home and like, I'm washing the dishes and there's this like robot going, they're like, could you turn that thing off? And I'm like, no, no, this is how I'm getting the news. But there's all these, like, there's all these weird ways that like knowing a bit of coding can, can like, you know, work its way even into your personal life that I think mm-hmm. is delightful, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, Clive, thanks for joining us on Technopia. So, what's the next book going to be about? Is it going to be about uh, going to be about consuming news super fast? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How to write a news scraper that that gets your entire family to disown you? No, you know the truth is I don't yet know what the next book is. I have some ideas. Uh, I, um, you know, uh, with luck, I'll be back on here in a year or two from now talking mm-hmm. about the next awesome book I'm working on. So stay tuned. All right. Very cool. Clive Thompson. The new book is called Coders. You can get it uh, on the uh, on the robotic Amazon if you need it. Uh, This has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week. By Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the Internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com.